Boom. 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 Zoom. Sponsored by Zoom. <laughs> you have? Are you in the middle of a pandemic where the world just seems like it can't stop and you need to keep doing things for some reason? Try Zoom. It's all you have now. It's all your life has become. Welcome to Zoomcast. We uh, we changed the name to for our first sponsor. We're not sponsored. I was gonna keep the bit going, but I'm I'm out of I'm out of bit juice. For uh, our technology gods that are holding this uh, world together right now. They really are. I feel like. My whole social life is Zoom. Actually, it's kind of weird because my work doesn't always use Zoom, depending on the meeting, because we need uh, confidential government stuff. So uh, we can't. Zoom's like apparently not as secure, like cybersecurity-wise, as uh, as the government needs for its stuff. So you know, we use off-brand Zoom. Noom. Tomb. You're listening to Ketchup Cast, the podcast where, believe it or not, we do not discuss condiments. How are you, dude? I'm doing pretty good. I'm uh, ready to go into the woods again for uh, some little background. Mondays are like my Sunday nights. I like have to get everything ready. I'm ready to go into the woods, like feeling good about um, going back to work for a bit. Um, like trying to build in some rituals on Monday so I feel better about going to work tomorrow and all that kind of stuff. I haven't shaved all week and it's feeling pretty scruffy, but uh, it's only going to get scruffier. So that's how that is. Embrace it. You know, it, I really can't do much about it. Um, I think I'll probably shave it next week, but that's a next week, Isaac, worry. Or I love, two weeks I love now, postponing those sorts of things. <laughs> or I won't. I don't know. Yeah, we'll find well. out. Delegation. It's one of my one of my favorite things to do is just to delegate, especially to myself in the future. Well at some point like at work my life becomes so boiled down and so singular focused that all these things really just get pushed out of my mind and I don't even think about them. Um and it just like takes too much brain energy too too much focus away from my work that uh I realize that me like scratching my beard in front of the microphone is probably terrible audio, but oh, it's, I'll, um, I'll well actually you're talking I can't edit it out anyway. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. Um, anyways, uh, so postponing things to future Isaac is just like a a default setting in my life right now, especially on on work days. Um, and I've learned to let go of things, which is really important. Uh, I like it's really um focusing in a way to not worry about anything when I'm at work but I'm just anyways just to be absolutely yeah how are you doing how's your work works I haven't talked about this on the podcast I have I'm working different different jobs than I was when last we spoke uh my job was sort of contingent on schools being virtual yeah uh and in New York State schools got the go ahead to go ahead and be back in person full time, uh, which I have my own thoughts about. My those thoughts are summed up, and they shouldn't do it because uh, <laughs> kids are, kids aren't vaccinated, and like, it's, the new variants are like worse for kids. So it seems like a crazy thought to put them in close quarters together. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna vent about COVID regulations for a second. They've changed it to three feet, right? The the social distancing. I didn't know that. The CDC announced recently, and New York State has has corroborated it, uh, but it's specifically the school requirements. Students can be within three feet of each other, but adults have to be six feet apart, which means it's still six feet apart. Yeah. I don't know why children get the pass. Because if anything, you want children to be 20 feet apart with all the just like snot rockets and coughing and unable to get their hands to themselves like. I feel like be kids have been so much healthier possible. this year than they ever have been before because they haven't been near each other and spreading their grubby little germs. Or we see that there's a run-on effect because children haven't been around each other, so their immune systems are super isolated. Remember how we went to a public school, and there'd be like one week in public school where everybody everyone, would just get horribly yeah. sick. And, and if it wasn't one week, sick. it was like a series of like three or four weeks where it would like cascade through the student body. 
Right, and now that builds up your immune system to where you can eat things off the floor and not get sick. You shouldn't, though. That's that's how that's how it works. You gotta but you, you gotta shouldn't. immunize your kids to filth and grossness early so that they don't get sick when they're older. Or you can My vaccinate them against bomber all the things with. that might be a big deal, and then they'll be vaccinated and have antibodies and not even have to stress. That too. I mean, you should do that too. But. That seems like a little bit, I don't know, more efficient than throwing your kid in a petri dish and hoping for the best. Oh, that's where it's at. Petri dishes are are great. Excellent. Anyways. Anywho. Uh, so yeah, my I that job ended. I didn't lose. I, I guess I technically lost my job, right? Because the job ended. But the people at the Y were pretty adamant about making sure everyone stayed employed. So they shifted people around. So they've got me doing daycare three days a week with like little baby children. Uh, wow. Like, like how, two how do years you, old. How do you like that? It's a different experience. You can't you can't have a conversation with two year olds because uh, <laughs> no. they don't they don't speak enough of of you know words. Uh, so, and sometimes I don't even say coherent things. They'll just make a noise and you go, oh, interesting. Cool. Uh, I changed my first diaper last week. I'd never changed a diaper before. Wow. Uh, and that's like a regular part of the job. Apparently I didn't realize that two year olds still weren't toilet trained, but I have no idea how old anyone is or what ages people do things at. So that could be, uh, that could be a regular thing that everyone knows that I just didn't. Uh, now, now how was that experience? I wasn't my favorite thing I've ever done. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone gets excited about changing diapers like, oh, yeah, I'm going to wipe human feces off this child. I can't wait. <laughs> it wasn't that Gross. bad. It it sure. was easier than I expected. I looked up a couple YouTube videos before, which made me feel like an old man, like doing research on changing a diaper. Uh, but yeah. it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. You just take the old diaper off, you wipe them, you put the new diaper on, you throw everything out, you move on you with your life. You've sent it to, to full dad when you look yeah, at well, YouTube videos on how to change diapers. Well, and there's like whole YouTube channels like how to dad, dad academy, dad academy, like stuff like that. You gotta learn how to with, brush hair and braid hair next and like... I know how to braid kind of hair. Stuff. Not very well. Yeah, I guess I know too, but, but not very well either. You know, I just sort of weave just it. Do the thing. I'm doing a motion as if any of the listeners can see what I'm motioning. Listeners, for the record, my motions are correct if, if I were braiding a hair, a head of hair. A head of hairs, that is. Uh, wow. <laughs> well, that's that's interesting. How, how do you like working with the younger? I, I, that's a population I have never really worked with. Really. Same. Uh, it's, it's different. The kids are not as mean to me as my school-aged children were. Uh-huh. Uh, Part of it is the kids really don't have any sense of, like, autonomy yet, and they don't know how to, like, be people, so they just kind of have their needs and their wants, and that is the only thing that drives them. So if they if they want to read, they're going to read. If they want to throw blocks across the room and sob because they just want to, they're going to. Um, but those two things are linked right there. Those two, th- 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 their needs and their, like, that driving their life and them not hating you yet because they don't have teenage angst is like totally connected because you're like yeah. providing their needs right now. Like I'm sure you do like snack time and like play time and like those are needs for them or like in their nap mind time ways. too. Two and a half hours a day nap time. It is wonderful. Right. That's also a need that they have and you're providing their needs. You're like their caregiver. You are their caregiver actually for however long you're with them where like the more independent a person gets, the more angst they get towards their caregivers. Cause they don't, they don't the think they that, need them. And they're just like, yeah. I don't need you. I'm, I'm totally yeah, independent. I'm a 12-year-old boy, and I can do everything on my own. And it's like, well, okay. Anyways. Anyways. Yeah. I, I like it. It's a different energy. Um, the kids are cute most of the time, unless they, you know, have just shit themselves, in which case I don't want to be near them. Uh, <laughs> it's not, not my preferred thing to do. I've managed to avoid it. I shouldn't now have jinxed it. Uh, I've done it a, like two or three times, but mm-hmm. I've, I've managed to sort of skirt around it. I uh, I ended up, they had me doing, because they've just sort of been shuffling me around the different age groups, but they had me doing bathroom runs today, which meant I just went from room to room, letting the staff in there go to the bathroom when they needed to, because they're pretty strict about ratio, for yeah. good reason, they're little kids. But that meant I spent maybe like three minutes with each age group, from five <laughs> to babies. So I just got like this greatest hits of children, pre-school, um, and I haven't... I don't, I've not been around many babies. Like it's, that's not something I've ever done in my life just because the people I hang out with weren't yeah. like, you know, we're not having babies and the family members I did took care of their babies themselves. But I walked into the baby room to do bathroom breaks, desperately hoping I would not have to deal with babies. <laughs> uh, the most, the most needy of children, babies. 
Uh, and the woman who needed to go to the bathroom, she was feeding one baby who was sitting in a high chair, and she was holding another baby in her lap. And she stood up to go to the bathroom and handed me this baby that was on her lap. I just took the baby. <laughs> and just Support sort of... the head, Ethan. Support the well, head. Well, he was, he was sitting up straight, so I just sort of put him on my lap and, and sort of seatbelted him with my arm. Okay. Uh, let his head sort of loll back against my chest. And I was trying to feed this baby. And the thing is, babies don't know to, like, eat. Like, they don't actively, like, oh, food is coming to me. I should chew and swallow this. So it was applesauce. And I was just sort of depositing this applesauce in the vicinity of this baby's mouth. Because the, the baby wouldn't open their mouth all the way. So I was just sort of, like, getting the spoon in there and hoping anything. It was just dripping down their face. It was awful. Oh, uh, but it was just, like, two minutes of, of babies uh, just crying the whole time. Uh, wow. Legitimately, I, I they just cry all day. Uh, me too, but but it's nice. I get an hour break, which is a nice change. It's because they schedule me for nine hours, uh, and it's up hmm. down by the Erie Canal. So I've spent my lunch breaks just like walking the Erie Canal with a coffee. Nice, it's lovely. I've worked with kids, and I'm sure you've experienced this too. Worked with kids for the last year. I don't know how to have talk conversations with adults anymore. <laughs> my entire social well, circle is children. Lockdown doesn't help with that either. No. Uh, yeah. Where, you know, you meet somebody new for the first time and you're like, how do I, how do I talk to somebody that I haven't met through work or on Zoom first? And I don't know. I've lost those skills. Yeah, it's a perishable skill. If you don't use it, you lose it. Um, we thought we were graduating oh. and we would be full-fledged, like, people who had adult skills. But no, we're just, we've lost them. Or I've lost them. Uh, I feel yeah. like I just I just crack jokes. That's how that's my only way I can converse with strangers now is to crack awkward jokes. I think the bar for social interaction though has gone down quite a bit. I think we're all uh, needing it so much and all feeling that uh, we haven't had we we we're out of practice. We're rusty. So if you I have a feeling if you were to compare social interactions from this time, like compare the quality of social interactions and then show your video of yourself. Oh, this is how you socially interact with your peers two years from now uh, in the middle of a pandemic where I have to isolate from people. Uh, mess them up. You'd be, you'd be surprised at how low the bar is now, but it works. I'm trying to, I found this, someone wrote a joke screenplay uh, of like a conversation out of lockdown. Mm-hmm. So you talk for a second. I'm gonna try to find. Is it. it is it that YouTube video of the 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 woman explaining the pandemic to herself a year later? No, but those are great videos. I've I've watched many of those. Uh, she yeah. actually that that woman Julie Nolke for the uninitiated. Uh, she has like a whole series of pandemic videos. I don't know how deep you've delved. Not very deep. But she made one recently that it was like socializing for the first time after getting vaccinated, and it's these two friends trying to have a conversation. It's like, oh, how you doing? I'm great. No, I'm not. How are you? I'm great. Nope, we're both lying. And then it ends with them just, like, sitting in <laughs> silence. That's so sad. And it, it was so sad, but also so real. No, it was this script. If I can find it. Um, also, I, I heard that there's, uh, like, a dozen people that just emerged from a cave in France that have been in there for 40 days. Uh, what? There's some news story that I somehow... Google thinks that this is what I want to read, which is kind of true because it's very interesting. I didn't read the whole article, though, so uh, I could have gotten things wrong. But, um, yeah, they, they did this science experiment with people in a cave where they had uh, no sunlight and, like, no outside interaction. No, now is like, not the time to do that experiment. The, I think it's the perfect time to do it because <laughs> people be are already doing don't... it. <laughs> You don't have a, a control. What do you mean? Like, you don't have the people are going out and socializing and having human interaction in sunlight. You don't have that. That's, that's a good point. You don't have the baseline of what humans should be or would have been pre-pandemic. Right, but you realize you're not missing out on a whole bunch. You're like, ah, oh, well, either I do it in a cave in France or I do it at my couch watching Netflix. Like, you know, what's the difference? I'm just not watching Netflix, you know? Did it turn out okay, the French, the French cavemen? They did, but they all came out with uh, sunglasses on because it would burn their eyes. <laughs> I thought that was a, a, a <laughs> pretty excellent. stark detail. That's good. No, I'm trying to – I couldn't find it, but the screenplay basically it's this conversation between a barista and a, a person in line getting coffee. 
Uh, and the conversation is just like, hey, can I get a, a large iced caramel latte? Yeah, that sounds great. It'll be this much. Thank you for this large iced caramel latte. But this the screen direction, it's... I believe each of the characters, each line is delivered hornily um, and sobbing. Uh, so that, that's the first conversation out of lockdown was the idea. Was everyone sad and horny? Well, it's funnier if you read it. Like it made me laugh. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not delivering it very well. It's funnier if it's a screenplay and not a third-person story on a visual format or audio yeah. format. Yeah. Um, so I'll pipe in some laugh track there. And yeah, it'll be, it'll be great. Yeah, people love it. Although shows with the laugh tracks are are uh, turning out of favor. That's because laugh tracks are painful. They're really. You ever awkward. watch something when there's a laugh track and you laugh along with it? They also normalize uh, misogyny and mm-hmm. slight racism. You mean I, a man, have to take care of a baby? Laugh track. Right. It's just terrible. It's. I'm sure there's some YouTube compilation of the cringiest laugh track uh, moments. And there's there's other versions where like someone took. Uh, Ross from Friends and took the laugh track out of the scene. Oh, yeah. So it's just him being a psychopath and the things he's saying, but no one's laughing. Or laugh tracks in inappropriate places when the characters say something really serious and then they put the laugh track in. Oh, it's terrible. Love it. Whenever I think of laugh tracks, the show that my brain goes to automatically, and also with misogyny and racism that my of a show that my mind goes up to automatically, is Big Bang Theory. I was that's just like about to say, that's example. the show, yeah. With overused laugh tracks and also bad humor. Yeah, that show. Yeah, how is that not get canceled yet? Well, it ended. Right, but like, like canceled, canceled, like cancel culture, canceled. I don't know. Young Sheldon's apparently got like seven seasons, so there's still an audience for this kind of thing. <sighs> yeah, I never really liked the show. To be honest, when with I was you. really young, not really young, but like when I was in middle school. I liked it a lot because it was, oh, look, nerds, ha, like me. Yeah. But it's such, like, a misogynistic and just bad, unfunny depiction of... And also, nerds aren't, like, these outcast people in society. Like, Marvel movies and those popular movies in, like, history. It almost, like, creates its own universe of Mm. nerds are both outcast and misogynists. And, like, I don't know, it just makes too much stuff up for it to to feel like a reality tele- or not reality uh, a sitcom you know like it's t- too unrelatable yeah when sitcoms are supposed to be the most relatable you know that's why the comedy is all situational so I keep adjusting my hair I, I I've had a very bad hair day today and I can't so if, you, if that's if you see me doing that that's why okay I'm like I see how it's a little blonde it. now I, I get it I get it I didn't get it last week, but I get it this week. Well, now you know. Now it's it's percolating. Now I can now I pick it out. You know, I notice it more. It was like a whole ritual. Uh, I didn't mention this last time. I just edited the episode where we talked about it. Um, but I didn't mention there there's, there there was one bit because we all did it right. The whole staff did it, and we decided it was the Bahamuth summer. Uh, Bahamuth standing or being the pronunciation of B H M F and or blondes have more fun. Uh, oh, okay. So whenever, whenever we put the stuff in our hair, we'd all just go "Bahamuth," and that was like our <laughs> our cry. And it was so stupid, but that's that's what it was. So there's there's the complete story of blonde, James See. Blonde. Well, I'm like blonde, all natural, baby. Like there's no. Uh, <laughs> you didn't no have to cheat this. like I did. No, I, I really don't. I'm waiting for it to get a little blo- a little lighter this summer. Uh, it's gotten dark this winter, but I also keep it up all the time at work, and it's just you know. Not exposed to the sun. I gotcha. Not exposed to the sun a whole bunch, but uh, I'm sure it'll get a little bit better. You sent me a list of things that you want to talk about. I did send you a short list of things. Which is often how some of our our best (laughs) tangent. Because I have one big thing, but I want to hear your things first. I have, uh, my list is hand sanitizer holsters. (laughs) I'm very interested in that one. (laughs) Adventure sports spectators. And... A major, in quotations here, person from the past has re-entered the chat. Close quotations. Moment. I didn't know how to how to put it. No, um, I think it's perfect. Uh, what would you like to hit first? I'll make it a choose your own adventure on this one. Oh man, 
It's one of the endings that I die. I I always ran into that ending and choose my own adventure book. Oh yeah, I remember having the Indiana Jones choose own adventure book, and it was really hard for me to understand when I was reading it when I was like ten. Were you not? Were you just reading like cover to cover? You weren't like flipping back and forth. No, I could. I I was flipping back and forth, but then I'd always get back to the choice, or like not remember what choice I had mm-hmm. to flip back to. It was the flipping back that was the problem. I could go forward okay. Well, sometimes they'd be, you know, they'd give you the illusion of choice, like, oh, go left or go right, but you go left, you know, you'd flip to the turn left page, and it's like, oh, it, it's a dead end, turn around, go back to, and it gives you the same choice, and you have to go right. Anyway, yeah. I would, I, I want to talk about uh, hand sanitizer holsters, while it's <laughs> hand so relevant. Hand sanitizer holsters. Uh, that's what the new Indiana Jones uh, movie has, him with a hand sanitizer holster. Um, Just so... coordinated Nazis. <laughs> Well, no, they're like germs or something. I don't know. Oh, you're uh, saying Indy 5 is going to be like virus-based. Indiana Jones fights the coronavirus. Those movies weren't racist, were they? Uh, the second one is, when they go to the India. S- oh, yeah. Oh, man. But the rest, I mean, it, it's Nazis that they're fighting. It's not yeah, like, fair enough. Like, people. Fair game. You, you can be as critical as you want of, of Nazis. That, that, nothing wrong with that. I remember... I'll get back to the holster thing, but I've got a tangent really quick. I remember when I bought my first, like, uh, T-rated video game, and my parents were like, hmm, I don't know about this. And I was like, it's fighting Nazis. And they're like, okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> like, it's that simple. There's no moral ambiguity there at all. Like, this They're Nazis. Great. Blow them up. Absolutely. <laughs> like, sounds good. Like, okay, sweet. Like, that was my pitch to, uh, to get a T-rated video game. Anyways, um... So at work, uh, I carry hand sanitizer to keep things clean, and I'm cooking things, and I'm, you know, uh, even though we're in the woods, we want to make sure we're we're being sanitary. And you go to the bathroom, you gotta hand, you know, sanitize your hands and stuff. And it's this little bottle. It looks like this. This is, this is the, uh, this even says sanitizer on it. Although it looks like pepper spray. Uh, we carry that too, but for the bears. For the bears, um, yeah. That's a different story. Uh, <laughs> anyway, don't mix them up. Don't, don't <laughs> oh, mix no, them up. That that has like a lock on it and like a zip tie on the lock and like it it takes a lot to to um, to open that guy. This is like, but we also have a soap one of these that has like Dr. Bronner soap in it for like really washing your hands and like really washing the the pots and stuff. Uh, and you don't want to mix those up because sanitizer goes away, but soap. You gotta like so put water on it, and it's just a whole mess. And then one week, I filled this with. It was halfway filled with uh, sanitizer, but I thought it was soap, and I filled the other half with soap. Isaac. So the soap sanitizer mix. <laughs> it was really uh, n- no fun. Um, anyways, this is the sanitizer bottle that I keep on me. I I did uh, take this from work. I'm not supposed to, but uh, I, I took it and to test out my admitted, new holster. That's admitted to it. <laughs> On our podcast, all like twelve of our listeners are going to be so angry. <laughs> I'm going to take it back to work tomorrow. There's no, uh, there's no problem with it. But I needed it to to test out my new holster, um, because I'm looking to carry things uh, <laughs> a couple different methods, right? You can put it in your pocket, which is great, but the chances of it falling out or like fumbling or or you need your pocket for other things or whatever is like, it, it just doesn't really work for me. A lot of the times I'd wear a, wear a fanny pack that has uh, that keeps my water bottle in it, keeps my gloves, my mm-hmm. hat, like the other yeah. things I need. Yeah, whatever. It. Okay, sure. And and this goes in it in like yeah. one of the open pockets on the side, and it's super quick. It's like, phew, like. But then you gotta wear a fanny pack, which is actually really good because no, this fanny shut pack up. Shut up. meets all the needs I need it to meet. So, um, I have to carry a backpack for work too, and the fanny pack just fits right under the backpack. And it's this perfect. Is I don't like have any this interfering is, straps is... or anything. This is what's going to end our friendship, is this, then, this episode. No, I, this is all leading to a very great solution. Trust, And I have, like, I I researched this. I cannot get this. behind fanny packs. You know this how I This is something that's, packs. like, uh, deeply part of... Anyways, okay. Continuing my story here. We have the got the fanny pack, water, sanitizers on that, and it's a pretty quick draw up to the... Uh, up, to, up to deliver. Um, so my nickname at work is, is the fastest sandy drawer uh, this side of the Mississippi. Great. Which I think is great because we're like actually pretty close to the Mississippi, and I think that's a great way of uh, delineating things. Anyways, now it, it suits all the needs I want in that fanny pack because um, 
keeps all the things that I want during the day, like like you know water and gloves and hat and all, you know all that stuff, the sanitizer, my radio, um, on me, and I don't have to worry about losing them. Uh, the problem is when I carry my big backpack, my backpacking backpack, I can't have that on at the same time. Because so it clips do, over. Right. So what I do is I put that over my shoulder and wear it in the front, like a chest pack. I can accept that wearing of a fanny pack. Which works great. The problem is the pack's not really designed to do that. It's Not designed to do un- the Chewbacca? No, it's not. It's pretty uncomfortable that... I mean, it's kind of comfortable that way, but I don't want to do that all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... The other thing too, it's pretty old, and some of the straps are starting to go on it, and like the amount of stuff I cram in there is like not really best for it. The other issue is that it doesn't have a zipper closure; it's like all kind of open and just has like a buckle that goes over the top, which I don't really like. Anyways, I'm trying to pick this thing out and like figure out a new solution for it. So, what I came up with, (laughs) or like what I I found, (laughs) yes, please, is that so the the company that makes my big backpack called Hill People Gear. They make something called a, a kit bag, which goes on your front. Here it is. And it goes on the front of your body, like here. It has, like, a harness that, like, goes on there. Now, the reason they developed this was so that you could carry your concealed weapon, your firearm, on you, but not on your waist, because you're going to be putting that big backpacking backpack over your waist, and then that'd be, like, uncomfortable with the firearm, or you won't be able to put your belt over it, or, like, whatever. So you can put your firearm in the compartment in the back of your chest bag, right? So that it doesn't interfere with your big backpack. Yeah. You, you're shaking your head and you're like, no, a I'm, smile I'm, on your face. I'm <laughs> like, you know where this is going. And so then uh, when you take your big backpack off, you're not losing your firearm and you still have it on you and it's not interfering with your waist. I have that problem all the time with my firearm. Exactly, especially in like grizzly bear country, where like you need to carry a, a big gun to. Okay, well, no, don't don't pull out a logical reason for that. <laughs> a bear doesn't care if you're concealing your weapon or not. Right, but you're uh, not going to sneak up on a grizzly carry. like, oh, hello, I'm a I'm a grizz I'm a I'm just a man, just kidding, grizzly, bang. You're not going to use this kind of gun on a grizzly. I recognize. But I also saw the point of this bag because when I was guiding, I was going from multiple uh, modes of transportation regularly i was going from canoeing to hiking to going on the van to like all these things and i wanted that fanny pack with me all the time because it has all the things i want in it and got the gps and the radio and the phone and all those things so like that always stays with me in the passenger seat even though the bag the big backpack might go in the trailer it might go in the back or might go somewhere else in the canoe or whatever but that fanny pack's right on me I'm super excited about this, and I'm just like going off on it. But no, I'm I'm very into this. I'm just making fun of you because you're my friend, and that's what I do. <laughs> and and so uh, I was like, "That's great." And this solution here that keeps all those same things on me, but is more comfortable to carry on the chest than the other one. And and if you loosen up the straps, you can turn it into a shoulder bag, so you don't look like a chump with a. a bag on your front yeah that is sort of the problem it's a nice idea but you wear a backpack on your front and you do look just <laughs> plain stupid like there's no getting around that and <laughs> if you need to you can take some extra straps from your backpack take off the hip belt of your backpack and turn this into a fanny pack with the waist belt from your backpack so it does three things it does Pretty the useful. chest pack it does the shoulder bag so you don't look like an idiot when you walk into town but then you gotta put a fanny pack on, so you you've crossed the line into idiot again. No, no, no. I wouldn't do the the fanny pack in town. I'd do the hip, the shoulder bag in town because those are like everyone's hip, got those hip messenger yeah. things, you know. I did buy one of those in the fall. I don't want to talk about it. It's leather anyway. <laughs> so, and you can do the hip pack as well. So it does all three things, and with the hidden pistol compartment in the back, I'm an even faster sandy drawer now. And I don't have to worry about it, like, coming, falling out of my mm-hmm. pocket or anything, because it's, it's in the zipper pocket. I'm so excited for this. There's so <laughs> many crazy, like, Second Amendment nut jobs who, like, are all about concealed carry and right to bear arms. And you've, you've looked at these Second Amendment crazy nut jobs and said, that's great. I'm going to stick my <laughs> hand sanitizer in it, though. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I love it. It, it's it's so handy for other things too. Like, 
It's got the GPS, it's got the phone, it's got the gloves, the headlamp, a little snack for when I'm hungry. It's got all these things that are like I want to have on me all the time. And it just so happens that it has the, the apartment for a concealed weapon. It was meant which, to be. I, you know, I don't need to carry a concealed weapon, so why don't I just put my hand sanitizer in there? Why not? Absolutely. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm so glad that, that you brought this to show and tell today. This, <laughs> this has been my TED Talk. Thank you. Uh, this is me, Dr. Ted. Uh, we're moving on to our next, our next speaker, uh, Isaac. The next speaker you should go because, uh, I'm, I, I, I just rambled on for like 30 minutes on. Okay. Well, I guess I'll do my big thing. Seems like you did some show and tell. I should do some show and tell. Uh, so last episode I sent you the cover art for my book, uh, which was, you've, you've described it, but this episode, not only is there cover art. I have in my hands a printed copy of my book, um, which is very exciting for the listeners who can just imagine me holding a book of the cover art that they can look up on our Twitter account. Which will be it like, looks yeah, really is, good, man. It's crazy. I um, so it's it's got this banner across the cover because it's not like the official printed. It's like a, a proof, not for resale copy. So I I'm gonna have to buy like a real one when the book comes out. You should in, sign that and make so much money off of it. Off of the shitty... There's typos. There's, like, mistakes in it. But you realize that's, like, one of the only of those books. That's true. I ordered two. So there's two different cover finishes. This is not that exciting to listen to, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off about it anyway because I'm very excited about this. There's it's a great. matte cover finish, which is sort of, like... It's not shiny. That's the one I use for photos because it doesn't reflect. And then there's a shiny one, which feels better to hold, and the colors are better on it. So... But I, I, like, I w- stayed up way past my bedtime last night flipping through this and, like, like look at this. This is, that's, like, a legit, like, copyright page and cover page. Wow. And, and like, let me see if I can find, like, a chapter. Like, look at, like, I typed these words. I typed this chapter heading. That's so they're, cool. They're just in there. And seeing, like, words I made up, like, gablano. The word gablano is in here a bunch. Or, like, <laughs> Kalnathalawan. That's the name of a city. Stupid, like, but these words are printed now. They're legitimate. Flip to the back. Who's that? That's me. I'm in a book. Whoa! Look at that. The obligatory author with a cup of coffee. Is that is that in uh, our hometown coffee shop? It, it it's in the uh, the bakery. Oh, the bakery. Okay, okay. Yeah, I went there after a hike. I mean, I go there a lot, but this one. Like, look at this. This is chapter eleven. Cablano unleashed. Those words are typed and published. And it's just crazy to flip through it because like, it, it's a legit book. Yeah. But I, I wrote every word in it. Every single word in this book is from, is from my brain. Uh, and it's just it's exciting because ever since I was like probably six, all I ever wanted was to be an author and to publish a book and to like have that book in my hand. And yesterday the book arrived. I, I watched – when Amazon sets your package out for delivery, there's like a, a map that updates where it is in relation to you. Uh-huh. Which is bad if you're obsessive like me and just kept watching the truck get closer, closer, and watched out your window uh, <laughs> as your as your book was delivered. But like when I opened the package, I was genuinely shaking uh, because this is like this was my childhood dream, and it came true. I've 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 achieved my childhood dream. That's so cool, dude. That's awesome. I've published a book. I've held it. It's it's all there. It's 260 pages long. Like it's it's a legitimate book. And I just, I just keep flipping through it, and, like, the story's still there. It's, a, it's really, really out there. I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to put into words just how monumental this feels to me. It comes out in uh, 19 days as of recording. By the time this episode goes out, it might already be out. We'll see how slow I am at, ed- at editing. I'm so excited for you. That's awesome. Like, really, I know how long it's taken you, like, working on this story. I remember hearing about this story for a very long time. I started this story in eighth grade. <laughs> When Rider's Legacy came out, Rider's Legacy being my, my first film, I remember I, I, was, I was thinking about this just, you know, because I linger on nostalgia probably too much. When I remember scrawling, like sitting in, in my science class in eighth grade, writing down this story, writing the prologue um, on a sheet of like just loose leaf notebook paper. Uh, and, and the prologue is pretty much as it was. Uh, and the titles remain the same. Like, just to the journey of, I, I wrote the first four and a half chapters by hand, and then I typed those chapters up and edited, 
and then I did another pass, and then the summer before college, I, like, just vomited out the whole rest of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was still four years ago, so it's taken four years to get from a first draft to, like, this final version. Yeah. And it's been just something I've tinkered with. I, I wanted to release it eventually, but it wasn't, like... I didn't have a set date in mind. It was just when I finished it, I kept, you know, if I was bored, I'd have something I could I could work on. And that was the story. Uh, but this year, 2021, is the 10th anniversary of finishing my first ever script, uh, which was Rider's Legacy, which is what this book is a prequel to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew I wanted to do something big to celebrate 10 years. Uh, not that anyone necessarily needed it, but I just, as a, as a person, as a creative person, wanted to recognize 10 years since the only thing I'm still proud of in my childhood. <laughs> um, and so the fact that the 10-year t- anniversary of that script was approaching some sort of like a perfect release date for the book. So I decided that in December last year, like 2020, I decided that. Uh, I just have been nonstop working on this. So two weeks ago, not so not last week, but the week before, it was like the worst week of work that I had had yet. Like it was just awful. The kids were brutal and like genuinely just not a good week. Uh, and I didn't do any writing that week, and I was really mad because I wanted to finish the book, like, that that week. But then Saturday rolled around, and I just wanted to sit down and uh, write a little bit. I ended up finishing the last chapter of the book on Saturday by accident. Like, I just kept writing. Uh, so the, the draft was done, and then the next day I read through the whole thing um, so I could just get one last look. And it turns out I missed a whole bunch of things because I've caught, like, four typos since then uh, in the printed version. Whoops. Um, but it was sort of by accident that I finished the book. So I finished it a week ago yesterday or two days. Yeah. Today's Monday. A week ago yesterday. Uh, and then that same night, um, my friend who did the cover emailed me the final version and I sat down with another friend who helped me Photoshop everything. So like everything just came together last weekend, like perfectly. And now it's, it's done. Everything's done. I could release it now if I wanted to, but I, I still want to wait for the auspicious May 15th cause that's a meaningful day. Yeah, you want to do it, do it on the real day. Mm-hmm. So you're saying there's errors in that that uh, first printing edition? Yeah, here, I'll, I'll tell you the one that stands out to me the most. Uh, it's in chapter 11. Have you read that whole thing yet? I mean, I'm sure you've read it before, but have you read it in that format yet? I read maybe a third of it last night. Just by I was, look, I was looking for my favorite scenes, and then I just kept reading. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's, it's a line of dialogue. My name is Christopher Zalto. I'm, I'm reading it bad. I'm not reading with any inflection. Let me try again. My name is Christopher Zalto. I'm King Adam's personal advisor and a descendant of some of Felden's most devoted warriors. I swear that if you don't, and then he gets cut off when the Goblin King says, Another Zalto, eh? And here's the typo. I met you son in Malamo, Christopher. Should be your son. There's a missing R in there. And there's other stuff. There's like commas that maybe shouldn't be there, but they're not like, they don't break the text, but that one seemed pretty pressing. <laughs> so I, I tweaked it. And there were some. I, I there were some pronouns I had to shift around, uh, just, and and stuff like that. So nothing major. There was no like plot error. Although I did after I'd sent this off to Amazon to get it printed, I had this idea for another scene, like <laughs> several days later. I had to like talk myself down off the ledge of like writing a new scene. <laughs> Going through it all over again. Because I just, I don't want to write, I want to take a break from writing for a while. Do you think you're going to do this again? Well, there's at least one more book's worth of story. I, it wasn't intended to be part one of a story. Uh, the first draft ended with a two-page epilogue that pretty much explained the next 30 years of Felden, which is the world of Felden's history, leading up to Rider's Legacy. Because uh, uh-huh. again, this was a prequel to Rider's Legacy. Uh, but one of the notes I got from a, a, an early reader was basically the, the epilogue was an outline for a second book. That's exactly how it read. Uh, and there was enough story that I could do a book too. So I'm going to do a book too. There you go. Which means I do have to do this again. <laughs> I'm hoping it won't take nine years. Are you dreading that experience yet? Or are you looking forward to it? A little bit of both. Now that I've done it and I know I can do it, it's not as scary. Boy, you're still pretty tired from this one. I'm still pretty... I haven't even finished the process for this one. I still have to market and, and release it and everything. Although, it's pretty much been marketed. I had my mom share it on Facebook because she knows everyone. Uh, nice. And very quickly, I, my initial post for this got, I think, 100 likes. She's up to, Whoa. like, over 200 now, and she got that in, like, half the time it took me to get to 100 likes. So she's Dang. well on her way to one-upping me. A librarian said she wants to order a copy for the library. Wow. Um, 
I've like the, there's people who we went to high school with who I wasn't even that close to who've mentioned maybe checking it out. Like people nice. I went to college with who I wasn't. So with book two, there will be people who have read book one and like are anticipating it. Right now, like people, there's people who've seen Riders Legacy, but no one's like invested in the story. Not that anyone's gonna be invested either. I don't want to like, you know, talk myself up. But you know, <laughs> there will be an expectation that there isn't right now for when I write a second book. Gotcha. Do you think that's gonna hurt your process? I don't know. I don't know what book two is yet. I know where it begins and ends, and I know some of the events, but I don't know what the story within it is yet. I know what the plot is. Right. I know the arc. I don't know the meat. Gotcha. Huh. So, it's it's years away. Not nine years, but it's it's at least two years away, I'd say. Wow. That's, that's a good chunk of time. Yeah. There's also a part three to the story, but the part three is just Rider's Legacy, and I'm not writing Rider's Legacy as a book. So. <laughs> Just go see the movie, people. Go see the movie. Although the movie is also... I'm going to rewrite the movie. There's like a whole... Felden is never going away. I had that realization today. Is The world of Felden is just going to be like in my life forever, probably. And that's fine. Yeah. That's just something I'm going to have to accept that I'm obsessive about. Do you think you're always going to tweak it and like rewrite it and, and go over it again and again? I tried to rewrite Writer's Legacy our freshman year of college. Yeah. When it was like five years old or whatever i tried to rewrite the film and i got about 70 pages into a screenplay and then accidentally erased the entire screenplay oh uh, yeah you so did. i remember you yeah. telling me about that um which which was quite the blow but you know eventually i'll rewrite it maybe i'll like publish the screenplay the new screenplay as book three like I'll books one and two as novels and then book three will be the screenplay i don't know it, that's that's a long way away but do you think like J.R. tolkien or like because uh, i'm reading a lot of him at work right now and um yeah C.S. Lewis, reading a lot of Chronicles of Narnia at work also. Uh, do you think they have the same thing with their creations? Do you think they like stay in that world and just keep on rethinking it? Well, Tolkien, Tolkien's a good example of that because he like he died with drawers and drawers and desks and desks, desks of, of notes uh, about Middle-earth. There's stories that have like six different versions to them. Yeah. Uh, and... and his son basically had to decide what the version of the story was. There's a story about a human and an elf who fell in love and they just published a new edition of it, but it's like huh. six different versions of the story and each one's slightly different. So Tolkien right. was tweaking. I mean, until he died, he was tweaking the story. Yeah. I know C.S. Lewis is a little more of an interesting guy. Cause he's got that whole like Christianity, uh, tilt to him and has written a bunch of books on that side of his life too. Well, even Nar the Chronicles of Narnia is a pretty Christian story. For sure, yeah. Especially the the line, the witch in the wardrobe, and the last battle are like very yes Christian crusade. Yeah. Still pretty wholesome books. I don't think he outright says it, so I think that's okay. I but, mean, the uh, lion sacrificing himself and being reborn is pretty pretty explicitly Jesus. Well, here's the other thing too, though, is that growing up, my grandmother read the line, the witch in the wardrobe, to me and my brother, and the story felt familiar because of that. Mm -hmm. because i'd gone to sunday school and heard jesus's story and now yeah. it's like oh i get it like i get what the lion's doing he's a good guy i feel that you know hell yeah where i think like yes um c.s lewis like definitely wrote some like uh christian i don't want to call it propaganda but like i know christian, what you mean though uh, theology and then he wrote this like fantasy series uh in a way, it's like to make it more familiar to a lot of American audiences, I think, in some ways. Which ex also excludes a whole bunch of people, but to some extent it makes it more familiar to others, you know. I don't know. Tolkien was Christian, too. His faith was a pretty big part of him. Uh, and there's elements of Lord of the Rings and stuff that, like, where that stand shines through. But I don't think he's as explicit with it. Uh, I think... He gets so in the nitty-gritty about hobbits and stuff. <laughs> I feel like he loses the, the allegory at points. I mean, I, I was also watching a show about how World War One influenced him quite mm -hmm. a bit in the battle scenes and the violence and witnessing that, like, made him write some of those war scenes. Yeah. The war affected him. He lost I mean, he lost friends, good friends, best friends in that war. Yeah. Uh, it, it messed him up forever. Um, he actually, he I went to a, a museum exhibit dating ourselves. Remember museums and going places? A uh, museum exhibit in spring of 2019 uh, in New York about Tolkien. Uh, and it was just like some of his old drawings and some of like the original covers of, of his books. 
But one of the things that really stood out to me was his first ever map of Middle Earth that he drew was there, mm -hmm. uh, which was humbling. And I did weep a little bit at it because I'm a big old nerd uh, and also a big old softy. But it was written, like he drew this map on a, it was like the last page of a test that he ripped out. It was like, do not write on this page. And he just ripped the page out. He was a professor. And he just <laughs> doodled this map. Um, nice. There was stuff that was crossed out and scribbled out. And it, it looks so familiar to like what I've done with my, my mapping processes and my storytelling processes. And it, it really is wild how like, you know, wherever a writer is coming from, everyone sort of begins the same way yeah. or begins in a, you know, close to the same way. And that comforting is not the right word, but it's familiar in a way that I find really nice. It kind of levels the playing field in a way. Mm -hmm. Like you're not as intimidated because you know, like, ah, oh, we both started doodling on the back of our homework, you know? And if, if he could do it, why can't, I mean, there's, a myriad of reasons why I can't. It's because the internet, mostly. Uh, you sort of get lost. But no one was writing fantasy when Tolkien was publishing his books. Yeah, that's a good point. Now you can, like, go onto the internet and find whatever you want at any time, you know? And this book is pretty heavily inspired by Lord of the Rings. So it's not like it's, you know, people haven't heard this story before. Sure. They're trying to destroy an artifact that was stolen. That's, that's <laughs> the gist of the book. And they end up bringing it to a volcano, but that was by accident. That wasn't, like, intentional. It's not. It's an extinct volcano, so anyway, but <laughs> roundabout way to say, you know, inspiration comes from everywhere. Respect to Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and everyone else who wrote fantasy and writes fantasy. Respect to me. I'm a fantasy Respect. author. I'm a, I'm a published fantasy author. Published. Which is also kind of crazy to think that I'm a published author. Do you remember that uh, this was in elementary school? We're at the middle school on Main Street, and uh, some poetry contest. I think it was in the fourth or fifth grade. Some poetry contest. Maybe yes. Was it? I mean, was it like a, a school contest? Yeah, and I like entered a poem about winter in there, and then it, like got into this little like pamphlet with like ten yes, other fifth graders, and everyone did a reading like, in the library, in the school yeah. library. Yeah. And they were like, I, you are now a published author because this pamphlet will live in the library forever. We printed it and, <laughs> and <laughs> stapled it together. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Also, my poem was definitely, like, the darkest out of all of them. It was, like, about, like, freezing to death in winter. <laughs> <laughs> That's very you, though, compared yeah. to, like, the rest of our classmates. Not that you're, like, a dark person, but you you, you were more in that world and, and, you know, the harshness of it than... Perhaps our, our <laughs> I don't want to disparage our classmates. Well, but, they were in elementary school thinking about yeah. bunnies in spring and stuff. I'm like, you'll get frostbite. <laughs> yeah. I think the poem of mine that did get into that pamphlet was about spring and, and the joy of it. So, Did you also get into that pamphlet? Yeah, I remember, no I remember way. the library and reading through. I don't, I don't know where the pamphlet went. I'm sure my mom has it somewhere. Oh, I bet. But, yeah. So you're a published writer, too. There you go. Actually, I, I was published. I guess I was in Denison's Literary Magazine once. Nice. I don't know if that counts. I was in my college's Literary Magazine, but it was in zine us. format, which was kind of funny. I've heard that more in, in recent years. Zines? It seems like a, a newer a newer format that is... It's coming back, though. It, it's this... not that... It, it's uh, it's older than you think it is. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. I think it's like 80s or 90s zines. No. Really? Yeah. Because you can do them on one sheet of paper. That's, like, the point. Right. Oh, I guess that's true. You can, like, hand out pamphlets. I think, like, as soon as, like, laser dot printers came out, people were, like, doing zines. I've I've gone off on... on I've, I've talked myself up a lot. I want to hear about your next thing. Next thing. Adventure Spectators. <laughs> Please. Uh, so, a couple weeks ago, I did some whitewater kayaking, which uh, I talked about on the show. And, uh... The, um, this week, uh, I did some more, well, I, di I guess I didn't do whitewater kayaking. I did some canoeing. We had a whole adventure extravaganza day where we did a, s a short hike, some canoeing. My friend did some kayaking and then we finished off with a little more canoeing. It was all this like big day and it was awesome. Um, anyways, my friend was going to run some rapids in his whitewater kayak 
and uh, some more serious rapids than we had ran the last time. He's got a lot more experience than I do, but I was going to stand by and be the safety person or whatever and get the cooler camera shots. Like, right. You know, it's important. You, you got to do both. And uh, anyways, we go over to the rapid spot, which is this cool picnic spot. It's kind of nice. It's it's chill. Um, it was on like a Sunday, so we're kind of surprised to see people there. But anyways, there's this this other car in the parking lot, and we're like, all right, whatever. Like, we're still going to do this thing. Hike the canoe down there and kind of talk about the plan, talk about the safety plan. Like, you know, what's what are we going to do? What do we feel comfortable running? You know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know goes great and th- these two dudes are over there like kind of like eyeing us like looking at us and like what are they up to like we kind of say hi to them as we like walk past the rapids and then i'm like standing at my spot the safety spot with like the throw rope and i'm like waiting for my friend to come down the river like thinking about what i'm gonna do and i see these dudes have their phone out filming me and, what? and my friend doing a trip down the river and it's like what you can't what? do that. <laughs> I You're can gonna, film it. You can't end film up on it. TikTok later, right? It's like what is it? Well, no, I'll, I'll tell you this much: they were not. They were some older gentlemen that uh, TikTok is is what their oh, their analog people, clocks at home make. Old people TikTok then. Old people TikTok. T- talking. Uh, we're just it's just talking. Just talking. Uh, they'll show it to their grandkids. Yeah. And uh, and I'm like. Uh, like I'm not gonna tell them not to like uh, you know whatever I'm not gonna uh, be angry at them about it but like I don't know I was just kind of like weirded out That's and then strange. this other family comes down and starts fishing which is totally cool go fishing I like it but they like throw their line right into the eddy that my friend is trying to come out at <laughs> and it's like um you guys are gonna have to move like my friend's coming down in a kayak and like no offense, but what he's doing is, like, more dangerous and important than what you're doing right now. <laughs> uh, how did they take that? They were like, oh, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Like, be safe. I was like, yeah, all right. Like, thank you. I don't know. It was just interesting. That's then we talked about, like, what type of fish they were catching and all that. But it was like, huh. All right. So then my friend has no idea what's going on because he's, like, up at the top of the river, like, getting right. ready for this, this short little run here. Um, and I'm like – I. I don't want him to get like thrown off by this to come down the river and see a crowd of people at where the takeout is and like where he's got to make this critical move. And so like he, he does it and he runs it fine. And it's great. And then he, he pulls into the eddy where I'm standing and I'm like, sorry about the crowd, dude, but like <laughs> we got some people watching us now. And like, now that they saw you send it and they're like, Whoa, that was cool. They're not going to leave. Like they want to <laughs> see you do it again. And I didn't really get any good pictures. Cause I was, so you, gotta- you know, Gotta do it again. Which he was fine with. He wanted to do it again. Um, it what were you taking kinda... the pictures on? My phone. I don't have a good camera. Well, I do have a, a, a kind of okay camera right now, but the phone's just handier. Is the know. shutter fast enough to get, like, good action shots? Uh, I don't know. I'm not, like, that close up to the action. I'm, like, standing on a rock. Pretty Getting steady. wide shots and it. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a wide-angle shot of him, like, coming down all of it. Um, not like mounted to the deck of the canoe or something like that. That'd You're not GoProing it. No, no, I'm not sponsored by GoPro yet, but someday we'll get there. Yeah, uh, it was just weird. The adventure spectators, and usually we pick some pretty remote places on purpose, but uh, you know, sometimes you can't avoid it. That sort of thing always throws me off. Like if I'm out on a hike or something, and there's other people there, I feel like I have to perform like I'm more legit than i really am not that i'm not like a legit hiker you know i know how to hike in the woods but i feel like i have to like hold myself a little higher and and walk more deliberately if there's people watching me yeah that experience uh, is also very true when you're the guide and it, it's yeah clear that you're the guide <laughs> you're like oh yeah i'm in charge of all to, these people and everybody yep. else around me knows it it's no yeah. good i uh, i had to lead a hike through the woods one like a, a hike down a dirt road like it wasn't even a, a woodsy hike uh, but it was me, a bunch of teenagers, uh, and we'll say a less adept hiker of a staff member. Uh, okay. And I just, I had to like be the double adult cause the staff member was not being the adult that they needed to be. And like mm-hmm. projecting the air of like, I know what I'm doing and I am a responsible human. Uh, and it was just like the, the kids could tell that they were not 
meeting the standard that they probably should have been meeting, uh, which meant everything. I had to like even bigger be the the mountain man and yeah. It sort of robs the experience a little bit because you're so focused on like projecting an air of like cool collectedness that you can't just enjoy the experience. True. I feel that at my work quite a bit. I find it hard to get out of my job uh, and connect with nature. That's why I got to do it on my off shift and really, uh, yeah, taking the zen when I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's a weird experience. People just make everything weird. Which is great because I want people to enjoy the public land and I want people to be out there and it's awesome. And I like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I like those connections. Be like, oh, what type of fish are you catching? Or, oh, this is a cool spot. You know, those are some of the most awesome conversations. And you feel like you can pretty instantly connect with those people even though we're using the river in a different purpose. You're still What they think I'm doing is cool and what I think they're doing is cool. And we're at Mutual the same respect. spot. Yeah. Like, this is great. That is, that's, that is cool. Um. I just don't want them taking weird pictures of us. Too. Yeah, that I I can't get over that part. I don't I don't know what use they could have for those photos, <laughs> unless they're like really experienced. They want to show it to all their like really experienced friends. Like, look at these jumps. Which they clearly weren't. They clearly had no idea what what was happening. They just thought it was cool. In some ways, it's kind of flattering in a way to be like, all right, I'm that badass. That other. But that means someone has a, a photo of you forever now. Someone out there has has the Isaac photo. Well, it's of me standing on a rock waiting for my friend to go down the river. That like, sounds I'm not like even doing cool the cool photo. thing. But that sounds like a, you know, that sounds like an album art or something. <laughs> sure. Some like a, sure. acoustic folk, maybe Taylor's next album. Oh. Isaac Lore. <laughs> Let's not get into Taylor Swift. No, because there's there's lots we could say about her. There's there, uh, there'll be another hour long podcast. <laughs> I feel like at some point we are just gonna like do a special edition of the podcast and just talk about Taylor Swift. We really do have to. I think that's yeah. that's required. Yeah. Cuz she's got, you know, the new uh new Fearless out. Which is the CD I have in my car right now is her original Fearless. Oh, you've got you've got the the dirty the dirty Fearless now. Well, I don't feel bad about it really because like I bought it from a thrift store. I'm not like Right, you're not in, you're not yeah. You know, and uh I I proselytize her so much that I feel like uh have you listened to the the Taylor's version of anything? Uh, I've listened to all the original ones. I haven't listened to any of the newer. I have. I've listened to the, one of them. I listened to them in the, the car. The new releases. On the ride home. The from vault work. releases. Yeah. The vault. She's calling them. Yeah. The Disney vault. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. We 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 should we should stop ourselves now because it is gonna become Taylor Swift cast. <laughs> uh, and we can't we can't launch on Taylor Swift cast now. We're into the episode. No, um, no, no. You have one more thing on your list, and so do I. Do we want to rattle them off, or do we want to save those for next time? Uh, mine's really vague and uh, pretty short, so I'll do mine first, and then you can wrap up with yours, eh? Mine's shortish too. It's just kind of an interesting story. So, but mine, mine was inspired by your last thing, so you should okay. start. Um, so earlier today, which is probably not the, this is not going to be the day that this comes out, but uh, no, not even close. I got a text from a number that said, hey, I'm trying to reconnect people, reconnect with people from my past. Uh, That's ominous. I wonder if this is the same number. That was it. Like, I, I have a guess as to who it was, and I'll edit out the name. But anyway. Yeah. I, what do you th- we'll who save that it? till the very end. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you if my guess was correct. Um, it probably is if, I, if, you think, uh, if you think you got it. Anyways. And I was like, what do I respond to that with? Like, A, it could just totally be a scam or, like, wrong number or whatever. Like, this is super vague and weird. So I was like, all right, this is my name and, like, the biggest city, like, Buffalo that I grew up near. Not even giving, like, the name of my hometown. Because if you know it, you know it. Like You know it, right. Buffalo's going to be close enough, you know. Um, this is my name and where I grew near a town outside of Buffalo. And they're like, yep, this is my name, and this is who I was friends with. Or, like, this is my, like, way of telling you that I know that you know that I know that you know, you know. Essentially, they gave a piece of information that only they would know. Yeah. And I gave a piece of information that only I would know. And we're like, oh, we really are each other. (laughs) It's like your secret agents giving each other the code phrase. Exactly, exactly. Because, like, you don't want to be scammed. And maybe I came off a little too defensive in that moment, but, like, you know, 
some strange number comes and texts me. Um, so that was really funny to, uh, to interact with that. And like, there's a small conversation that happened afterwards of like, Oh, like hope your life's doing great. You know, all the good things. Um, and maybe they listen to this podcast and if so, uh, it's really Hello. awesome to hear from you. Yeah. Hello. And, uh, you probably know more about my life from this podcast than, <laughs> than other things, but that's okay. Um, anyways, it's, it was great to hear from him, and I'm excited to, to kind of re rekindle that and whatever, Absolutely. It, you know, whatever that looks like. Now we'll edit this part out. Who was it? <laughs> I, I was right. You were right. Yeah. That's who you thought it was? That's exactly who I thought it was. Wow. I feel really clever. Ha ha ha. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll add in the part where I knew it and we won't say the name, but I'll well, let's say the put like a bleep or put like yeah, the, some agent, special agent, uh, Perry the platypus or something in there. Uh, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to drop in Perry the platypus. <laughs> uh, perfect. That's awesome. No, that's really, that's kind of fun when, when, you know, that sort of reconnection can happen. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. And of course now I'm going on an eight day shift and like, right. You know, but, can't talk for that long, but still good to, that'll, to that'll have that let some stuff brew, and then you can launch into it. Absolutely. Because I totally lost that phone, you know, and like I just kept the same number, but I lost the old phone with all the contacts on it. So, mm-hmm. anyways, new phone, who dis? Absolutely. New phone, who dis? <laughs> uh, tell me the secret code. New phone. <laughs> the sparrow flies at dawn. Yeah. Yeah, Only if funny. the moon is bright. I don't know. That's my secret agent code phrase. So if you ever want to, like, maybe that's how we'll identify Ketchup Cast fans in public because that's how they have to speak to this? each other. The sparrow flies at dawn. Only if the moon was. I don't. I already forgot what I said. Never mind. Scratch <laughs> it. Play it back and just whatever You're I said, do it. This. I'm. Ter- I'm make, not. I should not be a secret agent. Make a terrible secret agent. My my story to wrap up. It sort of is the same vein of like reconnecting and 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 you know, picking up old ties. Uh, this happened about a year ago uh, in March of 2020, just as stuff was, you know, becoming 2020. Uh, but the beginning of the story starts four years earlier, uh, September 2016, like first month of college. Uh, there was this movie theater in Columbus, Ohio, that was showing all three Lord of the Rings films uh, on 35mm film in a movie theater. Uh, which is extremely my shit. And I've never seen the films in a movie theater. I've never seen them on film, uh, so I wanted to go see it. But I, it was sort of a hassle to get out to Columbus because we were freshmen and no one had cars, um, and Uber 40 minutes away was expensive. Um, so I ended up just sort of putting feelers out there, and this guy who lived in Columbus, he was a student, he wasn't just some guy, but he was a student who had family in Columbus, said he would drive me out to Columbus, then he'd drop by and see his family and pick me up when the movie ended. Uh, so he drove me out to Columbus, we had to, you know, talk, get to know each other, we were freshmen trying to make friends, he dropped me off at the movie theater, he said, I'll see you, you know, when the movie's over, just text me, uh, and he left. The movie started, I turned my phone off, as, you know, as you should if you're in a movie theater, uh, remember movie theaters? Um, and I watched the movie, it was great, it was the extended edition of Fellowship of the Ring, which is like my favorite movie of all time, it was great. Lord uh, of the Rings make a second appearance in this podcast. I'm a fan. What can I say? Uh, so the credits are rolling, right? It's been three hours. Uh, and I pull up my phone to text this guy. I'm ready to go. But he's texted me first. Said, hey, sorry. Have a lot of work to do tonight. Hope you can find an Uber. See you later. Oh, savage. I'm 18 years old. I've never been in this city before. I've never Ubered before. Uh, so I had, I, I had a little panic attack. Got an Uber home. It was fine. Uh, and then I figured out the other two movies. And that was that. Like, you know, it was sort of a shitty thing for him to do. But water under the bridge, you move on. Uh, and he and I became acquaintances over the next couple of years. We played Dungeons & Dragons together. We had mutual friends, but we weren't, like, friends. But neither of us ever mentioned it. Like, the fact that he ditched me in Columbus. Yeah. Because it's, it's sort of an awkward thing to accuse someone of a couple of years later and be like, why'd you do it? Uh, and, you know, I didn't really care that much. It was one night. But we flash forward to March 2020. Uh, it's the last night I'm on campus ever. Yes. Um, and I was at this coffee shop. I say coffee shop. They didn't serve coffee, uh, but they called themselves a coffee shop. But it was this, like, hangout place. You get, like, bagels and milkshakes and stuff and fried food, late night eating. And we were all there sort of reliving our, our college days since they were ending prematurely. 
and um, maybe imbibing some beverages in our in our grief and uh, you know we, we were there for a couple hours just sort of being sad not wanting to say goodbye uh, then it got to be about 2 a.m. so we needed to get back to our dorms and sleep because there were classes the next day which is stupid uh, like let the seniors go and mourn but anyway it's like it's like pouring down rain and none of us had raincoats umbrellas so we ran it's like it was like 20 minute walk across to campus this is just flavor text none of this is particularly relevant but this guy who had dished me in Columbus we had run into him at this place and he had just joined us and, and we were all uh, it came time to, like, say goodbye. We stopped outside my dorm, and everyone's going to go their separate ways for the last time. Uh, so everyone was saying goodbye. And I decided I'd go in for the hug with this guy, because even though we weren't, like, close friends, we knew each other, and everyone was sad and drunk, so why not hug? So I hugged him, and he pulls away and says, I'm really sorry about that time when I left you in Columbus. Wow. So clearly it had been, like, sitting on him. Yeah. For a long time. And just the fact that he brought it up, at, like, the last possible minute to tie up, like, the last loose end from freshman year was so poetic and, like, beautifully cinematic in a way and and just the perfect arc. Uh, I don't know. I found it really interesting and kind of cool and sweet, but also just the the perfect, like, story arcness of it I thought was a good fit for telling on the podcast because it was just wild. That is really sweet. I had one of those experiences, too, when COVID happened and we had to leave campus and uh i can't really get into it on the podcast but um yeah there was like some last minute forgiveness of like whoa this all means so much more right now and this is like it to say goodbye and i was thinking you know i think both of us were thinking about that anyways maybe i don't know what was in that person's head but uh it was really powerful for that to like oh and in a hug, too, in the same way of, like, that final hug when you're, like, you know, the car's in the parking lot ready to go, and you're, like, oh, man, now's I got to say it now, you know. It's really powerful. So that's cool that that happened. There were a lot of moments that last, those last few days, and, and maybe that's something we get into in a future episode when we feel equipped <laughs> to talk about it. I don't know that I could right now without breaking down because it was – I mean, I'm bad at goodbyes as is, but that was – it genuinely felt like the world was ending for most of yeah, that week. For sure. Anyway. Here we are. Here we are. The world's the not of, ending this week. We're at the beginning of a week. good week. Uh, the episode's uh, going to end, though. That, yeah, that, part, that, that is going to end. And it'll all be okay. It's going to be because there will be more episodes. Uh, so this has been episode 43 of Ketchup Cast, which is crazy. Uh, our first pandemic episode was episode 27, just to give you a perspective of how, how long we've been doing this in a pandemic. Uh, it's been killing so it. We've been killing it. When we hit episode 53, that means half our episodes were in the pandemic. Uh, again, for perspective. Uh, so if you want to hear more about uh, you know, what we're up to, you can follow us on Twitter at KetchupCast. Ketchup is spelled like the condiment. If you have things you want us to discuss or you, know, you want to send us a picture of your Crocs, I don't know. If you want to send us anything, you can email us at nocondiments at gmail.com. Uh, you can order my book, The Stolen Stone, from Amazon starting May 15th. This episode might be out by then. Uh, if you want to hear me talk more about my book, uh, I've, I brought, mentioned this a few weeks ago. Uh, I was on a podcast called The Coffee Hour. Uh, I'll drop a link to that episode in the description. Um, Isaac, anything else you can think of that we should add? I already turned my mic off. Oh, no, that's no. not true. I, di- I oh. didn't turn my mic off, but I just felt like that would be something funny to say. That was funny. Maybe... <laughs> Should we end it on that? I already turned my mic off. Now I did turn my mic off. Okay. (laughs) 